With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into College Football Overtime. I'm back. I'm back. What a hell of a week to be sick. Uh, but Garrett Chapman, I am back. Abe Gordon is joining me here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We are so excited for you to be in here with us because there's a ton of news to get into. Just in the last week, we had a, a national championship game played. We had a, uh, a, a legend retire in Nick Saban. And now we have a lot of movement. We had a very random coaching carousel that I don't think a lot of people were ready for. Uh, even Alabama. And we'll get into that here in just a second. But Kalen DeBoer officially hired as the Nick Saban successor. Before we get into that, Abe Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Garrett. You look good. You sound good. Welcome back to uh, those of us playing at 100%. Uh, happy to be back with you here. And yeah, it, it has been uh, quite a wild week. You normally would think national championship game, things will kind of slow down after that. A couple of the, the transfer portals or draft announcements, but uh, it's actually gone the other way. I think it's actually ramped up more than it was leading mm-hmm. into that game. So it's been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, and it does not feel like the college football news is going to stop anytime soon. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think that's kind of a good thing for us because that means we have a little bit more to talk about uh, right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, so you get all of the news throughout the offseason. We'll be tra- tracking uh, uh, name, image, and likeness moves, uh, transfer portal, coaching search, everything else that you could think of, big storylines throughout the offseason. College football never sleeps. But let's jump into the biggest news of the weekend because Kalen DeBoer, he just played in a national championship game. He was 25 and three in his two years with the Huskies after taking, taking over a team that was four and eight in 2021. Uh, this move caps a wild ride for Kalen DeBoer right up to the top of the mountain of college football. He goes from uh, a small division two school to blue blood in like seven years. It's an incredible one for Kalen DeBoer. I am not fully convinced that he was the first option for Alabama. And we'll get into that here in just a second. I'm sure you have that same thought. Dan Lanning, I think, was the the big fish. Because you don't have a head coach at a place like Alabama at, at his age 
that has that amount of stature and not have a succession plan in place. And I think they thought they did. That guy was Dan Lanning, a guy who came up through that program, a guy who really has had success everywhere he's been. And he's done a great job, a great job with Oregon. And I thought that made more sense. He's a more ferocious recruiter that fits the the mold of what they wanted Alabama. And it's no coincidence that he was the first person that was on that short list to come out and say, I'm staying. It's because that was the first guy that they offered the job. I don't know if he interviewed. I don't know if he actually talked to them. I don't know how much happens there. It all stays behind the scenes. It's all closed doors. So all you have are sources and sources say different things. But I feel like Dan Lanning was that option. But Kalen DeBoer, he's a great second option. I think he's just as good of a coach. I think he's a, a splendid coach. Uh, what he's been able to do at Washington was really pretty impressive. Uh, I'm, I like the hire, ultimately. I think the biggest decision, uh, the biggest question mark that remains for me, just culture fit. It's just culture fit. Being in Alabama, the state of Alabama, we just saw what happened with Brian Harson. Now, I think Kalen DeBoer is a much better head coach than, than Brian Harson is. But we just saw how the culture fit didn't necessarily click at Auburn, just down the road from Alabama. Do we see that here with Kalen DeBoer? I wonder. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some interesting things. Look, obviously, Dan Lanning was plan A, um, and they had to fall back to Kalen DeBoer, who who I believe was plan B. And I think they're very lucky that plan B worked out because – the ledge of where Lanning and Kalen DeBoer are viewed as and, and the next coach they would have had to talk to um, w- would have been a pretty big drop-off. M- maybe not in terms of quality or ability, but just in terms of perception. Uh, and, and so it was important they did get DeBoer there. And and just uh, for those who were like, uh, Kalen DeBoer, where did he come from? Uh, look, he's won at every level. And, and I think we've seen a number of coaches over a number of seasons at various stops that have proven if you can win low, you can win mid, you can win high. And I think teams, big schools are getting a lot more comfortable hiring a guy like that uh, who who has done it. Um, we'll get to the Washington carousel in a moment. I've got a name that's kind of similar that we'll see if that's on uh, the list for Washington and, and what they consider. Um, but yeah, th- this is an important hire. Look, landing made sense, right? He's got ties to Alabama, Nick Saban. He's got ties to Georgia, Kirby Smart, and the SEC in general. Certainly, it made sense. Certainly, he's got Oregon where they were as a top 10 team this year. Only two losses to a team that eventually played in the national championship game. Um, So, it does make sense. That was going to be the first go at it. But um, Kalen DeBoer is an interesting name. Uh, I I, I think he – the biggest issue for me with Kalen DeBoer is Nick Saban got the benefit of the doubt. On, on a variety of levels. And I don't think Kalen DeBoer is going to get that. And I think specifically one of the aspects of this hire that's going to be interesting is, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm going to use the term. It is what it is. Um, Alabama got a lot of hometown gift discounts in, in the NIL world because it was Nick Saban. Um, I think Georgia gets some of that as well because it's Kirby smart and, and, and the, you know, there you can go, down the other schools that you think probably do get somewhat of a hometown discount. I don't know if that's going to be the case under Kalen DeBoer, at least not initially. So um, the boosters are going to have to step up to support Alabama and support Kalen DeBoer. 
um, because it's going to be a little bit tougher to, to draw what you need to draw there um, at Alabama. But you step into a pretty good situation. You've got a quarterback that you probably can win with next year. Uh, some tweaks need to be done and, and all that. You you got to replace a couple guys, as always, at Alabama uh, on the defensive side of the ball. A couple guys going pro, certainly. A couple guys transferring, whatever. But uh, he's got a pretty good base to start with. It's not going to be like a build from nothing, like you mentioned. He went to Washington. They had four wins. Uh, a couple years before that, they, they put up an offer, right? So, um, you, you know, it's not going to be an, an empty cupboard, a bare cupboard for Kalen DeBoer Alabama. And so, He's got to get things up and running pretty quickly, but um, I think the heights of the Alabama Crimson Tide are still there. I think they will mm -hmm. uh, expect next year that they are still um, in the in the twelve team playoff and, and contending again, uh, even without Nick Saban. So, uh, and I don't think I know Saban's not coaching the program. Um, I don't think he's going to be gone from the program as much as some no. people. I think he's going to be incredible. He moved out of his office. He has moved all, you know, I get that, but, they're, but he's they're, a he just moved down the, down the street to, they're going to build him in a, in a, a full-time office. De DeBoer has said, Hey, anything Saban wants from this program, it's an open door for him. hundred percent access. Was that weird? Yeah, so Was that weird? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Um, it, it, I think, Saban is there to help. Well, um, this is one of the weirder things, though. You, you just alluded to it, and I'm, I'm starting to cut you off. I just want to jump in here real quick mm -hmm. before we move on. So he vowed, quote, 100% access to Saban. Sure. That's fine. I think that's okay. This is a very similar thing to what we saw. Like, like Kentucky did this when uh, when Rupp retired. Like, a legend. Like, they named their arena after him, Rupp Arena. He was a legend. He never moved out of his office. He still was involved in everything on the day-to-day. -day. And I think that's kind of a... It's dangerous. I think it's dangerous because at some level, I understand you're, you're, you're breaking away and you're having something that was, you know, it's hard to really encapsulate how important and meaningful Nick Saban was to that program. And maybe this is just for this year. Maybe this is just a, an excuse for him to come back if he wants to, if he misses it. And maybe this is just a nod to everything that he's ever done. But I think they need to be very careful. If Kalen, De Kalen DeBoer needs to be allowed to come in here and do what Kalen DeBoer does. I don't. I. I look. That's not going to be an issue. Nick Saban. Oh, I, I, I believe. Not, I mean, I believe it, it, it's not going to be an issue. I think he's there to help. Uh, I don't think he's going to be criticizing game plans or how guys are used. I. I think he's. You there. never know how somebody's going to react. He's to there to meet thing. with recruits and help out with recruiting a little bit. Still, he's there to communicate with some of the boosters that he's dealt with before that DeBoer is new to. Connection wise, I think it's a big piece. Having him around, that feeling, uh, that aura, uh, I but I, I agree with you. The the game day stuff, the on the field stuff is going to be all DeBoer, and I, I have no hesitation saying that Saban will be able to 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 deal with that professionally um, and not be in the way. Yeah, and the bit number the number one thing, the number one thing for Kalen DeBoer in the next couple of days is roster retention, and we're going to get into that here on the College Football Overtime Podcast when we get into our transfer note, transfer portal news and notes a little bit down the line. Uh, so make sure you stick around to, to hear some of that. But ultimately, I think this was a great hire. I really like Kalen DeBoer. I think Kalen DeBoer is a hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. Uh, but it's the new era of college football. I think that Nick Saban really retiring. I think this, that he was the last of the old guard, in my opinion. And I think we've officially moved into this new era of college football. And whether or not Kirby Smart or, or guys like that take over the mantle, I, 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 we'll see. We'll see. 
we still got a lot of football to play. And I know guys like Jim Harbaugh might have something to say about that. Uh, but again, we have more conversation with that here coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but my last comment on Nick Saban, just in general, because I was sick when uh, the announcement was made and I, I didn't really have much of an opportunity to say much. Nick Saban to me was college football. That, that really was what he was to, to me. And it was a, it, it's one of those things when, when that announcement is made, you're going to remember where you were, what you were doing. It's one of those consequential announcements. And he changed what success meant to college football. He did. And you look back at guys like Mark Richt. I grew up a Georgia fan and I, and I think that was, that was just what I did. And Mark Richt was my coach and guys like that would be viewed in a completely different light than they are. If Nick Saban did not exist, if Nick Saban stayed at Miami, if Nick Saban literally went anywhere else, that is what we would view as success because you, you win nine games, uh, win sugar bowls, uh, win sec titles. That's, Generally speaking, that's good enough. And those are guys who go to the College Football Hall of Fame. Like Mark Rick is going to the College Football Hall of Fame. But the fact that I mean, Philip Fulmer is another one of those guys. Do we look at Philip Fulmer dif differently if he doesn't have to run up against Nick Saban at the end of his career? Maybe we do. But Nick Saban changed what success meant at co in college football. And maybe he polluted it. Maybe he, he changed it for the, the worse. But you know, it's just the nature of college football. That's where we are now, and that is because of Nick Saban. He's the most consequential person of the last 40 years in this sport. And I'm thrilled that I was able to to cover him and talk about him right here. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, I look at Nick Saban's legacy a little bit different than, than how you're bringing it up. And what I mean to say is – um, there are a lot of very good football coaches in the world of college football. Mm -hmm. um, but but college football for Nick Saban was not just about coaching teams and winning games. He, it was very instrumental and important to Saban that he helped young men grow. And there are a number of coaches who do that at a high level and maybe don't win as much as Saban. There are a number of coaches who maybe win as much as Saban. Well, not quite as much, but you know what I mean. Um, but maybe don't uh, put the significance and importance of growth and development and maturity uh, upon their team. I, I think there's a great balance for Saban and you hear the, the former players or his, his coaches assistants that have talked about the impact he had not on their football careers, but on their lives. And that's a very big difference to, to note is this wasn't just a guy who, who made them uh, a different type of player. He made mm. these, the, these, whether it's again, his assistant coaches or the players that he coached, he made them different as men, as people. Um, and, and I think that's important to when you look back at the legacy of Saban, the sheer number of people that he's helped over the course of, as you mentioned, it 30, 40 years. Um, not, not every good coach in college football can say that. Yeah. Uh, I think Saban proudly can. I think it's an important um, aspect. And I think it does kind of um, change how you view the legacy. Um, it, it wasn't just um, a guy. Yeah, he could win, but he was an a-hole. He was mean. He had a bottom line and that's all that mattered. No, I, I, despite the winning, despite the championships, I do think something mattered more to Saban than winning at all costs. Um, and, and that's how he helped other humans. And I think that's yeah. important to note. Um, it, it's just, 
if you're looking, if you need a separator, uh, that that that's the special part of Nick Saban to me. I actually, I, I love that. I completely agree. I mean, he's 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 the most consequential coach. Uh, he changed what it meant to 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 be a coach in college football, and he was a, he was a. There's a reason he's the goat. I, you know, it's there's a very good reason that he has that mantle, and it's going to be one that that's not going to be challenged. I think for a very long time, if ever. Um, I mean, he won at the highest level. He developed at the highest level. He recruited at the highest level. He did everything the right way. And I'm just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it's over because he was, he was college football to me, but I do want to move into the next slate here. Like what's the next step? What's next for Washington? Uh, it's been a tough week for Seattle. Let's just say like the, the Seahawks were eliminated from playoff contention. Pete Carroll, uh, of course he is, he retires or he's forced to retire. Um, from the Seahawks. And then of course you lose the college football playoff national championship. Now you lose your head coach. Now you're losing Dylan Johnson, Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, uh, plus your left tackle, your right tackle. And now your offensive coordinator. Oh, brutal, 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 brutal week for Washington. Uh, and then of course your, your transfer quarterback, Will Rogers just announced that he's out. He's entered his name into the transfer portal. He was one of the top options. And Kalen DeBoer pulled him in from Mississippi State. He was the SEC's all-time leader in attempts and completions. Of course, he has tons of passing yards and touchdowns, and he challenged Aaron Murray for those stats there. Uh, but what's next for Washington? I know Bruce Selman has a, a, has a few player guys uh, on that list, a, a short list for head coaches, but they're going to be on their fourth head coach in 2019. Like, what, what, What's next for these guys? I'll, I'll run through these lists, uh, this list in just a second, but before I do that, I want to give you a chance to give your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it was always going to be a rebuild situation for Washington, and that's, I mean, fair or not, that's partially why I'm not surprised that Kalen DeBoer is leaving, but you're going to have to replace a lot, and, and it, I was going to say you're doing so without a, a quarterback uh, now that Rodgers is out, and so um, that, that that's a tough ride, and, and maybe there's still some transfer quarterbacks that they can pull in to try and solidify some stuff. Maybe a, a new head coach comes in with it with a different idea of what they want, uh, yeah. but you're, you're talking about a jump into a much more difficult conference um, with with everything, a clean blank slate. And so the expectations are going to dip quite a bit, at least in year one, until we find some solid footing, solid ground there. Um, but look, this is a look, Washington didn't win the championship. I think we understand that. But this was a year where it all kind of came together for them for a variety of different reasons. Obviously, the elite play outside. Uh, the quarterback play, stuff like that. I, I, I mean, again, they didn't win it all, but it is reminiscent a little bit of, of how LSU looked where where with Burrow and Chase and Jefferson, things just came together um, at the right time for a one-year push at a title. And and then they fell back down a little bit, LSU yeah. did. And, and, and obviously last year, uh, Kelly comes in and, and has a good first season. This year they have a Heisman chase. So, you know, um, I think things are going to fall back down a little bit for Washington, a little bit of jump to reality, and and um, that's where they're at. But but yeah, you've got to get this higher right, uh, or you do threaten to become what Washington was, as you mentioned before. Kalen DeBoer got there, which is a team that, like on a given year, maybe you get to a bowl, but maybe you don't. Um, and, and it's going to be very tough. I, I I think people underestimate how tough it is for teams to stay at the top when you're not 
the Texas or the Ohio State or an Alabama. Even if you're the Texas or the Ohio yeah, State I, I, I or think, the Alabama. I, I think it's not easy to stay at the top, but it's easier to do so when, when you kind of are those teams. Hey, man, tell that to Texas, who's, who's been trying to be back for 15 years. Yeah, but I I just think sometimes schools get dropped into no man's land and they may never recover. Um, Texas can recover. It may take a while. It may take a couple hires, sure. a couple cycles, et cetera, et cetera. But they'll, well, they're they're always, also a destination. So that's and that's well, that's what I mean. That, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. Washington is not. Um, it's very tough to recruit. Everything's three hours away by airplane, um, stuff like that. So it, it it it's a tough job, but. Um, I do think that now that you're jumping into the Big Ten, it is a good job and one that I, I think they'll be able to pull um, a pretty impressive name. Or, or I, I want to hear this list you got for me because I have one or two names at the top of my head, um, oddly enough, from the same state, and uh, we'll see if they're on your list. So this is a list compiled by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, so I take no claim for this list. It's not mine. Uh, the top of his list, of course, was offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, well, but – as of a couple of hours ago, at the time of this recording, he is not going to be the coach. He just announced it on social media on Twitter. Uh, he's likely following Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. Yeah. I would not be surprised in the slightest if uh, DeBoer makes his way into uh, the SEC with join, joining uh, him at Alabama. The next one, Arizona's Jeff Fish or Jed Fish. Yeah, it, it's an interesting name. Um Kind of selfishly, I hope not, because I want to see what Arizona can do this year with Fafita starting all 12 games and Fish. They they, they were the most improved team over the course of the season uh, to the point where if if there was a 12-team playoff this year, they would have been very tough to to leave out. But um, an interesting name, uh, up and coming for sure. Uh, Definitely a lot of momentum there. But um, I I got some other names I think I would look at before I I would – I would make a run at Jed Fish, but uh, I don't think that would be a bad hire. I think it'd be a splendid hire. I'd yeah. Just selfishly, I'm with you. I really want to see what Noah Fafita can do with 12 games with Jeff, Jed Fish as a head coach. I, I really want to see that. I think Arizona's going to be one of the more exciting teams uh, heading into yeah. this next season. They, they join yeah. the likes of like Ole Miss or something. It was just one of those upstarts who not a lot of people would have considered elsewhere uh, or in any other season, I should say. Uh, Kansas is Lance Leopold. Standard name. Yeah, that was one. That was one of the names that I, I had written down. Um, look, Leopold has done it at lower levels. Uh, he's done it at mid-tier jobs as well, and then he's done it in Kansas uh, pretty impressively for a Kansas team that, with the exception of like Todd Reesing and Mark Mangino, has been historically an awful, awful program. Um, and he turned in uh, some pretty impressive seasons. Uh, I, I thought that he might be, if DeBoer had turned down Alabama, I thought he might be on that short list of the next group of guys. So it would make sense to me that he would be on this short list. I think, honestly, he would probably be the top name that I think about in, in terms of who I trust to keep the Washington program um, a, a respectable squad. I really think Leipold is a heck of a coach who's mm-hmm. proven he can do it at every level. And I think if given a bigger job uh, like Washington, he could do it there as well. Kansas State's Chris Kleeman. Yeah, that was the other name. I, I mentioned I mentioned in passing uh, two guys that from the same state, I think, have both gotten it done. And he's a very similar, similar story to Leipold. Um, 
and and they they've proven they can get it done at jobs that have historically been tough. I know Kansas State in 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 the past decade plus has been a little bit more respectable, certainly than Kansas had. They've had some good squads there, sure. um, but I I just I really like they won the Big Twelve last year. So. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. <laughs> Um, I like what he's been able to do there as well. I, I would probably favor Leipold personally over climbing, but I, I think both of those guys, um, despite remaining at their schools currently, are ready for a big, bigger step up in competition. Brian Harson, former Auburn head coach. Yeah. Look, when you mention the three names that you've mentioned to me in Fish, Climbing, and Leipold, and then you float out Brian Harson to me. Like it's impossible for me to sit here and pretend that's like not not a massive step backwards or drop off. Like th- that is what it is. Um, it c- compared to who else is theoretically uh, you could go after, that would feel like an absolute failure of a hire if you're Washington. I'm Ooh. just being honest. Yeah, I'm being honest. Uh, I, I know it's a little bit of harsh. I'm not saying he would fail or be bad, but perception wise, it would feel like, boy, we we took some real steps back here in, in replacing DeBoer. Um, and again, he may succeed there, but that's not the, that's not the energy you want coming into the program as a fan base that says, God, that's the best we could get. Um, so I, that would, that would not be, a, a, an overly, uh, pleasing hire if I were a UW fan, but he is from the Chris Peterson tree. And I'm just saying, I mean, Chris so Peterson, of course had stops at, uh, at Washington. He was a very well-regarded head coach over there. You're, you look. Washington was a stepping stool for Alabama. Uh, they've been a stepping stool for a couple of different gigs. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this does not feel like the right sort of hire. Uh, it, it, if it's me, I would want an up-and-comer from a slightly smaller school, be it a smaller school at a Power 5 program or a smaller school, group of five, whatever. I, I want someone that's up-and-coming. I don't want someone that that kind of feels like they peaked and are on the slide back down and are trying to recover. Um, and no offense to Harson, but like, that's what this feels like it is. I think he's got to go and win big at a mid-major somewhere before I would start to consider him uh, again for a big job. He did. I mean, he, he was 69 and 19 at Boise state. No, I mean, again, though, he he didn't change his reputation. He's a reset. Um, he left, it was a bad decision. It was a bad marriage down down there at Auburn. And I think that's not necessarily fair to Brian Harson in general. I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad coach. He's a good offensive coach enough i mean it's just people have a bad taste in their mouth and um I think- hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's a little harsh. That's all. Um, yeah, I think he'd be fine. He's 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 a native of the Pacific Northwest. He knows the region well. Um, found success at Boise State, and, and he's from Idaho. And I don't know. I, I again, I don't, it's it's, just, I don't think it's a sexy. It's not a sexy hire. It, yeah, and what, what I'm suggesting watching, is perception is not, and energy. You're not, but you're not a, a top flight program. I mean, I, respectfully, well, I like you're not. Watching. If you make that hire, no, but you're not. You're not a, a, a top end program. You're not a destination program necessarily at the same level as some of your other big 10 compadres, you know, it's like, that's just not where you stand. And um, it's better. I don't, I don't think Brian Hartson's a bad coach. I don't think he's necessarily the right hire, but I think it's, it's not as bad as you necessarily say he is, but Iowa state's head coach, Matt Campbell. He's the last one on the list. Yeah. Another interesting name. This was a guy that uh, shoot. Uh, if Saban had retired two or three years ago, Matt Campbell's probably the head coach at Alabama right now. I mean, that's how high his star had risen. Yeah. for a for a moment um and it's faded a little bit now mm-hmm. um and and so similarly to harson uh the momentum of his coaching rank has been lost a little bit uh again that doesn't mean he's a bad coach but for whatever reason he has stalled out there a little bit at iowa state when the hopes were higher three years ago um when he did look like he was having that program moving in the right direction so i don't know you tell me uh, I, I i mean like like i said like the first three names you gave me I would be excited about, but Matt Campbell and Brian Harson again, this does not mean they're bad coaches. It does no, not mean they so. would fail. That's not what I'm suggesting, but from an energy and a perception side of things from the fan base, these would not feel like you're winning the hire. Um, and again, like uh, we, we joke about it, like winning the opening press conference doesn't matter winning games do. And, and so I'm not suggesting they would fail there. I'm not suggesting that Washington would fade into the oblivion if those guys were hired. But sure. just from an energy perception of the fan base, like they're not going around and like speak like, so like Washington and Oregon are big rivals, right? Like they're not talking trash to Oregon fans. Like, look who we brought in. Yeah. Brian Harson. Like, you know what I mean? And again, it doesn't mean he wouldn't do well there. I agree with you on that, but the perception is that that's not a great hire. And that's how yeah, I would no, feel. I, about I don't. Matt I don't Campbell disagree. Too. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I just, feel like that about Cam. I don't think. I don't think the head coach is on this list. Truthfully, this. I feel. I feel like no offense to Bruce Feldman. I like Bruce Feldman. I Interesting. Love his work and, and he does a lot of. He does a lot of great work. Is there but, a name? Because I, I have a. I have like a well, psycho no, random name. Do you have a guy? These are the same damn names that we read on every single freaking list that comes out whenever there's a new head coach. Like it's like, go. This. This is the list. This, this the feels like list. the right jump for Leipold. It really does. You, we've said that. We've said that about like five or six different jobs. I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't know. I, mean, I think sure, some fine. jobs have been too big for him. Like, I like Leipold. I don't know if I would have, like, loved his fit at Alabama. I think this is a good middle ground between where Kansas is at oh, and, like, the Leipold, top tier. No, absolutely not. No, he was never He was never in the running for an Alabama job. No, he was well, – we've mentioned I mean, his you name. You say that, but if DeBoer says no, I mean, as a, would you rather you have Leipold? Would you rather have Leipold or Dabo? I mean – you you were DeBoer you were one DeBoer saying no away from like considering it uh, so I disagree with that I I want nothing to do with Dabo Sweeney if I'm Alabama well that's Absolutely my point nothing to do with him. 
but yeah well and that's why he didn't get hired no but but the thing is i, I think they go get i think you alluded to it i, I think you you mentioned it didn't fully go there but i don't think they go get another head coach i think they go get not another head coach i don't mean that like a, a guy who's currently head coach somewhere else no one's coaching i the think program. they go no one's coaching it's just anarchy everyone just plays no i'm saying they're gonna go get like an offensive coordinator or they're gonna go get a like a brian hartline something like that like does he leave ohio state He's a great offensive coach. He's somebody who you're going to stay in the Big Ten. Go get a guy like that. Somebody who's not currently the head coach of a team. All right. So a since we're going to go down name. that, since since you want to go down that path, I got a rogue idea um, that you're probably going to dump all over. And I, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm walking right into this one. But. I, I think you bring aboard uh, either an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator for maybe offensive two or three coach, yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you put Pete Carroll at the top of this program um, for, for two, two or three years. And you have a, an immediate succession plan. Um, and, and, and you kind of stack it that way. I know it's a little crazy, but he hasn't coached college football and he hasn't recruited in 15 years. No, but I, 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 he knows that region. Uh, I think he's a very good coach, and I'm not asking him to do it for a decade of success. I'm asking him to bridge while you prepare a young, smart mind that you think can take over the program. Does he have connections to Seattle? Like the, like the, not, not of course not I mean, Seattle, the city I mean, of Seattle. I mean, like I Washington. Got, I got some news for you about Seattle. Oh, and Pete oh. Carroll, but... no, I'm saying Washington specifically. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean I just think anyone in that region has that. Um, sure. I mean, I mean they, he's they, actually hiring a coach from the Pac-12 at USC. One two one. No, I don't know the situation with like if he's still got a, like any sort of show cause from from. Um, Long since expired, I would have to imagine. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I think all it's that interesting. works. I think it's very interesting if you want to win the win the hire, like you talk about. Would also let you groom someone properly. Um, I think they were grooming someone properly. His name was Ryan Grubb, and he just said no. Well, no, but you weren't grooming Grubb because you didn't expect DeBoer to leave. I mean, so I I think it's different when you have the mindset of this is like 100% a short-term hire with a replacement plan in progress. Um, You know, we we talked about like how tough it is to replace legends and all that, like we, you know, we looked at the last legend that had to be replaced among college sports and like coach K did it differently. Right. Like he said, I'm going to retire. I'm going to coach one more year. Here's the guy that is coaching under me. That's going to take the job. Sure. Let's let's do it. So I, I just wonder if that would work. Bill Belichick did that with Jared Mayo. Right. Or Mayo. Uh, well, I mean, not, not voluntarily a little, a little less reluctant on that one, but, but yes, uh, to, to an extent he was groomed for that role at some point. It probably was just a couple years quicker than Belichick would have preferred, but uh, uh, yeah, I just wonder if there if there's any option of 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 making one of those sorts of hires that you're talking about a young smart mind, get him in the system, let Pete Carroll oversee it for like two yeah. years, three years, and then hand it off. I think it's interesting. I think that's very interesting. It, I I'd be lying if I said I don't think uh, it's going to happen. By the way, it's just a thought. No, it's just it's just sort of radical and funny. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I like it. I like the idea of it. Um, I mean, look, Pete Carroll, last time we saw him, he uh, ran off like a, I don't know. I don't want to say that. Uh, I was going to say something. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to say that. He, he won multiple national championships, but he got run off to the NFL. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, hard to hard to say it that way. But USC uh, was uh, struggling for a little while after he left. Let's just put it that way. Um, 
But real quick, I, I didn't get to this when I asked you about Kalen DeBoer when we talked about him. What is success for him year one? Playoffs. Yeah, you got to make the 12-team playoffs. Uh, you got to at least make the 12-team playoffs. Uh, you're, you're Alabama. You bring back a Heisman Trophy candidate. Um, uh, you you got to at least make the 12. I, I'm not saying you got to run undefeated, but you got to make 12. So what if he struggles? Like, what if? So in year one or beyond year one, year I, one. I think how much look, of a, how, you, you how ask long me of what a is leash success. does he get though? Yeah. You asked question. me what is success, not what's acceptable. Those are two different okay, terms. Fine. What is acceptable? Because success of course is winning a national championship. You're at Alabama. The expectation <sighs> is to win a national championship. Acceptable would be like you're, you're, you're nine and three. Um, three so hear guys. me out. Hear me out. Um, uh, but it's like very obviously there's been some changes to the program that you think will sustain and be a big boost in year two. I don't know. But like if, know. if you're trying to make changes to the program, it's not just going to work from the start, but you have to see that there's some growth and, and something yeah. to push in year two. So if that's the case, maybe nine and three, you miss the playoffs, but people are excited about what you have in your second season. They're about to get a dose of reality, I think. I mean, yeah. Kalen DeVore's a great coach, and I think Kalen DeVore's not going to be – I mean, he's a drop-off. Anybody would be a drop-off from, from Nick Saban. Anybody in college football is a drop-off. Unless um, they'd somehow drawn Kirby, which is never going to happen. But, yeah, I mean uh, – but, of course, you you have two winnable games to start the season. Then you have Wisconsin on the road at Camp Randall Stadium. Um, they should win that game. Then you're it won't off. be too then cold you have, yet. Yeah, it's not too cold yet. Um but then your first SEC game is against number one Georgia. Welcome to the SEC. Brutal, brutal way to start. Then you're at Vanderbilt, a little cupcake in there to warm you up. You're at home against South Carolina. That's a winnable game. You dominate that one. Then you're on the road at Tennessee. Third Saturday in October. And that's going to be a tough one. Then you have Missouri at home. That's a tough one. Then you're at the LSU Tigers. That's a tough one. Then you're at, well, you have Mercer. And then you're at Oklahoma. There are three losses at least in there. I don't think and, there's there's three losable games. I don't think there's three losses. Well, there are one, two, three, four, five losable games. Are you yeah. counting Oklahoma? Yes. Don't count Oklahoma. There are five losable games. Don't, don't count Oklahoma. Five losable games. I, uh, we're a long way away from. from I, I disagree about Oklahoma. I would say there's four losable, losable. games. There's four losable games that are not going to lose all of them. So They're not. No, I don't think that, so. that's. What, but that but that goes right to what I was saying. Like. You're nine and three. Maybe you make the playoffs at that. Maybe you don't. But hopefully there's a reason for like legitimate excitement for year two. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of your, your bottom line of what that's the bottom line of what look fans are going to panic as soon as you lose your second game anyways. So like you can't really go by. They're going to panic. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to lose their minds. They haven't lost three games like in the regular season since 2007. Could be four if they, uh, if they go nine and three and still make the playoffs. Like they haven't lost three games in the regular season since 2007. It's been a long time. There are it, there's an entire generation of college students who like the entirety of millennials basically <laughs> they don't know life that doesn't involve Nick Saban going winning double digit games. He won double digit games every single year for 15 years. It's 17 years really. I mean it's unbelievable what he was able to do there. But let's move in to uh, some more of this transfer portal discussion. That was a lot of fun. I, I 
I love talking these coaching rumors and everything. And we're going to get into this. I think Washington's going to have their guy here in the next couple of days. Um, and we'll discuss that right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. So make sure you like and subscribe just to make sure you get all that information from us. Um, let's move into some of this transfer portal stuff, though, because the Michigan Wolverines, they just won the national championship. They just had their parade, but we still have no idea what's going to happen at the quarterback position. We have no idea what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, we don't know if he's interviewing for these jobs, but rumor mill, they don't have to report it. That's why we have no real idea of what's going on, but inside sources are linking him to some of these NFL jobs that are coming available. J.J. McCarthy, at the time of this recording, has not made his NFL draft decision. He said he's going to do that sometime on Sunday. So if you're watching this, you probably know what he's going to do, so we're not going to talk too much about that. But at the parade, when he was asked about it, when they talked about it, he just didn't really just just say, hey, let's celebrate. And Jim Harbaugh did something very similar. So the future of, of Michigan is very much in question right now. I, look, I'll be honest, and maybe by the time this gets published, I'll be proven wrong. Uh, it would not be a smart decision for J.J. McCarthy to head to the NFL. He, he is at best QB5, um, and I think that's a dangerous part to, to, to play. Um, you, I would come back, try and improve. Uh, I mean, how many times did he even throw for over 200 yards in, in big games? Like mm -hmm. he's got to get better. Um, I actually think physically he has quite a lot of tools, but his coach didn't necessarily trust him, uh, enough in the way that Michael Penix's coach trusted him. And so yeah. I think it would do JJ McCarthy, uh, quite a bit of good to come back, develop and maybe go from QB five to QB three, QB two. Who knows, maybe even QB1. Um, I'd be shocked if, if he's not at Mich or, or excuse me, I guess I'd be shocked if he's not at college football. Um, you know, who knows the impact of potentially Harbaugh leaving and the transfer portal and, and what happens at Michigan. But um, look, it's interesting. We, we, we talk about this college coaching carousel, maybe a late carousel happening. Um, uh, do you get the sense that if Harbaugh does leave for the NFL, it, it's just straight to Sharon Moore? I think that's the right decision. I mean, they um, can't they can't look outside for hires. No, right? no Sharon Moore has to be the guy. I mean, I, yeah. I would be truthfully, I would be blown away, blown away if it's anybody other than Sharon Moore. I mean, he's he called plays, he took the job, he he led the team for half of the season. And he uh, won Harbaugh he won was, as many big games this year as Harbaugh did. Like if we're being seriously, honest, he did. He I beat mean, Penn I, State. He beat Ohio State. Harbaugh, remember Harbaugh was suspended for those, and then takes back over when you're in the uh, the playoffs. So he won the Big Ten title game. Uh, I mean. He beat Penn State. I mean, he did all the big games. He, he yeah. won everything, you know. And Shrem Moore, I think, is the uh, the obvious choice, really. Yeah. He's the obvious choice. And I, I think that. Um, and I think it's more likely you keep J.J. McCarthy if Shrem Moore's the head coach. You you have a lot of seniors on this team. You have a lot of seniors on this team. I think half the roster was a senior, you know, I guess. Your your offensive line is is gone. Your your wideouts are gone. Your running backs are gone. Your defense is pilfered. You know, and like it's, I don't know. I mean, JJ McCarthy, I think is just going to ride the high, and he wants to go out on top and 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 see what he can do with it. But I think next year is going to be a, a bit of a dose of reality for Michigan. Um, right. They're still a good team, and they're still a good program. You know, and they're going to win a lot of games. But this was the peak. This yeah. was the year yeah. for them to go get that title, and they did it. And credit to them. Um, and they're going to go down in history as as. Uh, a champion, you know, and as, as long as the <laughs> NCAA doesn't go back and try and take it away. Uh, but that's a different discussion for a different time. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't think that he has necessarily a top end quarterback like, 
credentials necessarily at this point, but they got to go through the process. And I think he can rise up some boards if he interviews well and, um, and does, well, I think right he team. would have, I think he would put forth a great workout. Cause I think, I think he's he got all the tools. He's got a lot of tools. He got a ton of tools. And so he'll rise he a national championship. He's still he's, not, he's very efficient, but you're not taking um, him above any of the four quarterbacks. We already know are one through that's four. Fine. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, once you get to the league, do what you got to do, you know? And I understand you'd be nice to get to the league in the money. first round and not the third. You're right, but is there any guarantee that he would be able to play his way into the first round next year? No, no I mean, there's never guarantees anywhere, but I, I think it's so more like I'm going to ride the high. I, I don't think he's going to do better next year, so much better next year that he's going to play himself into the first round. I just don't think he's a first-round guy compared to some of these other dudes. I think he can be good. I think he's very serviceable. I think he's going to be – he's a very efficient passer. Um, so we'll see what he does. I don't yeah. think he's going to play his status up enough. I think he goes pro. I'd be very surprised. If okay. Um, but let's move into uh, the other team in the Big Ten that uh, Michigan doesn't like so much, but is making some moves of their own. The running back room instantly became one of the best in college football. It struggled last year. 88th among all FBS teams in rush yards per game, number 78 in yards per rush, number 60 in rush touch, rushing touchdowns. Trevion Henderson just announced that he's passing on the NFL draft. Uh, Quinshaw Juckets earlier this week just announced that he is going to be joining the Ohio State Buckeyes. Actually, ironically, during the national title game, <laughs> trying to steal a little bit of that thunder uh, in, in classic Ohio State fashion. But he rushed for 2,700 yards over two seasons at Ole Miss. He's widely regarded as one of the best pure running backs in college football. So why is Trivion Henderson deciding to come back? I wonder. He's going to be RB2 on this roster. He's not RB1 anymore, but he struggled with injuries. Uh, I think he can come back, and, and he really asserted himself late. But I think if these guys stay healthy, Trayvon Henderson in particular, this is the best running back room in college football. You know, I, I think there are a lot of jokers in the land of uh, college sports uh, and the idea of like a m group of people like tweeting out unfinished business is is nonsense. But that actually kind of fits with what's going on at Ohio State. You, you mentioned sure. Travion Henderson back. Um, I was extremely surprised that Emeka Abuka is going to come back and Very play. Um, they've got a stud on the defensive line, JT, who uh, is, is also coming back. And so um, it, it does kind of feel a little bit like unfinished business. It feels like a must-have season for Ryan Day. Certainly we talked about the pressure he'll be facing to to get uh, one on Michigan this season. Um I find it very tough to not bump the Buckeyes up to like preseason number two with some of the announcements that they've had. Uh, I do have questions about the quarterback room still. Um, they did pull in, uh, you mentioned it previously when we were talking about the head coaches. Uh, they pulled in Will Howard uh, from Kansas State. I I'm not in love with that. Um, but, you know, I don't know if he's a step up from Kyle McCord, but they certainly need something more than what McCord gave them this year. They're going to lose Marvin Harrison. Certainly we understand that. But uh, as you mentioned, Judkins coming in, Abuka coming back, uh, some defensive studs coming back as well. Uh, Buckeyes are set up for a big season again. Um, and kind of an unexpected one because you thought some of them um, would be replaced. Uh, obviously they got the highest, uh, you know, different services, whatever. But Jeremiah Smith, the number one recruit at receiver coming in, he'll line up opposite Abuka. Yeah. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what they're able to accomplish, but they got a lot of talent that I did not expect them to have for next year. So um, it, it is a little bit of, of unfinished business for the Buckeyes. 
I think that offense is going to look a little bit different next year, but I don't think it's going to be any less potent than it ever right. has been. I mean, it's well, Howard's not exactly CJ Stroud or Justin Fields, but I think he's going to be a serviceable quarterback who's going to get the job done. Well, they're going to use his legs. Uh, they they he has really legs, didn't, and I yeah, think they, that's the most valuable thing for him. Yeah. That, that really, um, Comicord didn't have. Uh, yeah. Will Howard has a lot of positive athleticism, athletic traits. He can get out and run. He can do do stuff mm-hmm. on the run, and I think that's when. Ryan Day's offense is at its best, you know? I mean, Justin Fields, of course, is an elite runner. He's an elite runner. And you didn't necessarily have that with C.J. Stroud, but C.J. He, Stroud, he, he would extend plays. But he, he would extend plays. Yeah, yeah. And that is where they kind of fell short with Kyle McCord. Yeah. Because Kyle McCord, you saw this especially in the Michigan game. He wasn't able to get out of the pocket and make things happen if it collapses. Will Howard is going to be able to do that. So I – I mean, I disagreed with you then, and I'll disagree with you now that Will Howard is not like a, a good option for them. I think you guess I guess you said he's not much of a step up. I disagree. Oh, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I but uh, again, this is not about how. It's not good, sexy though. It's not. It, sexy. I would just it's say not, it's a perception of whether he's. That's fine. Yeah, he doesn't and, and I, feel I like one of the top available quarterbacks out of the portal, so it's a little disappointing from that aspect. He sure. might end up being the right guy, though. We've seen that work as well. Fit, fit is more important than anything, and I don't think yeah. Kyle McCord fit. I think that Will Howard might fit better. Will uh, Howard has played better in big games. I'll tell you that. I can assure you of that. Yeah, I can assure you. Of he's that. had some big moments. He he definitely has, and I think it's going to be an interesting offense over there in Columbus. But Cam Ward, another quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, he had declared for the NFL draft just a few weeks, like a like a week ago, and then he did it in like a the most the 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 most anticlimactic way possible. The antithesis of what we see with players and coaches these days, like where they post these long drawn out, like production value is incredibly high type of video. He sat there on the, like on his couch. Like I, he just sat down and said, my name is Cam Ward. I'm declaring for the NFL draft in video. It was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> it was great. It went viral. And uh, I didn't really agree with the decision. I thought he should come back for another year. Yeah. Win at a high level. He has the stats, but he doesn't have the wins. He doesn't have anything else. I think he probably had a couple conversations with uh, evaluators, talent evaluators, and said, hey, you need a little bit more time. And I think he's talented enough to play in the league. I think he's talented enough to do it. I don't think he was ready because you saw the way he kind of, his team at least, fell apart at the end of the season. And I need to see him do it at, at a consistently throughout the course of his season. Of course, he is. 7,000 yards, 61 touchdowns, only 16 interceptions. He's really talented. He can throw the ball. I mean, he averaged like 10 yards a pass or something like that last year. I mean, it was unbelievable what he was able to do. He led the number six offense in college football, but they fell apart. Now he's going down to Miami. He's replacing Tyler Van Dyke, who's off to Wisconsin. And look, this offense needs a jump start. They finished, what, 31st in the country in total offense, 42nd in passing offense, 38th. Um, and scoring offense, only 31 points per game. I think he could be a really big player for Miami in the ACC next year. Excuse me. It it was an interesting, um, it was interesting route for Cam Ward because I agree with you. I I was very surprised at his decision to go to the NFL. I I thought he could have used some more development. Obviously, he, he felt at first that maybe he could work his way up the draft board. Um, but, but maybe he got told otherwise by, by evaluators and scouts Mm -hmm. and, and, um, it's a great time. Uh, it, it, it slid right into Miami's lap quite nicely. I I know they had picked up a a small school quarterback as well. 
Um, so I don't know how they're going to, if there's going to be an actual quarterback battle or what the situation is in regards to that. But this was something they, they very sorely needed as an upgraded quarterback. You mentioned some of the issues Van Dyke had at times. Um, and it would be good for Cam Ward, I, I think, to, to kind of, and I agree with you. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk early on, first three or four weeks of the season about Cam Ward and the season he was having, but it fell off very sharply, and, and the team did not rebound well uh, over the past, uh, the final eight games of the season, if you will. Yeah. Um, as soon as they, it felt like as soon as they hit the rankings, they just fell apart completely. Um, and so I, I, I was, like you mentioned, I was very surprised that he thought it was the right time to go pro. Um, I think it's probably the right decision now to, to return, um, continue to develop, do so for another year. Um, and, and look, Miami in the ACC, I, I don't know how It'll you build feel. Profile. Sing in. It'll build his profile too. Yeah. And, and I think Miami can win next year. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be they very tough for Florida state to, to, recreate what they did a year ago they're losing a lot of talent to the nfl and and i don't think they're in the position that a georgia is or or some of the other michigan some of the schools that can can handle that much departure mm-hmm. um so the acc might be open um and and maybe cam ward with with miami can slide in there but uh i'm glad to see him back in college football i look forward to seeing what he can do in a hurricanes uniform i, I think it's i think it's a slam dunk yeah i love it for mario cristobal in miami i think yeah. this is going to be a a big deal for them and they really need to take the next step. Yeah, next totally. We're going to get, we're going to get into some of those discussions about coaches and, and, and programs and, and things that we expect from 2024 uh, as we move into the off season. But Miami's very high on that list yeah, of totally teams that need to kick it into gear. And I think Cam Ward is a step in the right direction. Um, Evan Stewart. I think quarterbacks have stolen a lot of the limelight from this cycle, but Texas A&M lost a lot of talent. Evan Stewart. Walter Nolan, we talked about he went to, to Ole Miss, and uh, he was the number one player. But Evan Stewart was right there with the very best in this class. And the dude's electric. Former five-star recruit, number two wide receiver in the class of 2022, was a freshman All-American. And in his two seasons over there at, college, or in, uh, at, at Texas A&M, he caught 91 passes, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. He's one of the most exciting wideouts in the SEC who is now heading to an offense that is loading up, reloading for another fantastic season. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's there. He's going to be a a, a lights out quarterback replacing Bo Nix. He's going to, they're going to have to replace Troy Franklin, which is exactly why Evan Stewart is there. And that's why he probably found this enticing, but this is a loaded wide receiver core. Abe, Tez Johnson is back. He had over a thousand yards, 86 catches and 10 touchdowns. And then you have three other pass catchers, one of which being a tight end, who had more than 400 yards. I think this offense is shaping up to be, again, one of the very best in college football. And Evan Stewart might take it to the next level. And obviously the big uh, the big decision-making aspect of this was uh, the return of Dan Lanning. Um, of I, 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 I mean, you, you, can, you can count the clicks of a watch between when Dan Lanning made his announcement that he was coming back to Oregon and when Evan Stewart made his announcement that he was headed yep. to Oregon. I, I mean, obviously it all, it all hinged on Lanning being there and um, certainly so uh, two very big pieces of news for Ducks fans in the span of what felt like maybe 35 minutes or something. Maybe it was longer than that, whatever it was, but um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not slowing down for Oregon. Um, now, 
you are going to have to contend in the Big Ten. So there are a couple different aspects to that. Um, but but um, yeah, they're going to be good. Uh, they're going to be good again. I, I like the fit of Dylan Gabriel. We talked yeah. about this when it happened. I, I just think he slides into that offense and what they will ask a quarterback to do very well. Now they do also have Dante Moore. Um, you know, fair is fair. There 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 may be a shot that Dante Moore finds a way to beat him out. I personally yeah. think it's a great spot for Dante Moore to sit behind Dylan Gabriel for a year and learn. He made a lot of mistakes this year. Uh, I think he can get those out of his game and really take off um, in two years um, uh, under Dan Lanning. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, man, like Dylan Gabriel's skill set, along with with Evan Stewart coming in, um, their offense is going to look a lot like it did this year, which means it's going to be one of the best in the country again. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel is going to be able to throw the ball all over the yard. Tess Johnson, I think, is going to be one fun player to follow. And Gabriel's too. probably I I don't know how you feel. I I, I like Bo Nix a lot, but Gabriel's a better runner than Bo Nix was. And so um sure. they're, they're, I think they're gonna ramp that aspect of the game up as well. Yeah, they're gonna have their full arsenal back, yeah. basically. Um it's gonna look different, but it's gonna be it's going to be very talented and it's it's not going to be much of a drop off from what we saw this year. The one of the best offenses in college football. And I think they'll do that again this year, but last one for you, Abe, because Alabama's at a crossroads. I know we talked about it when we started the show. Kalen DeBoer, of course, is hired as the new head coach. A 30 day window opens up and we still have three weeks of that left three weeks, a little in a little bit of change. We've seen a few players already enter their name into the portal. Jake Pope, uh, he's from Alabama, the safety, mostly a special teams guy. He goes to Georgia. Uh, they're sixth edition from this class, but he's going to provide some depth there. Um, Isaiah Bond, the leading He just wide announced receiver. he's going to Texas, by the way. Oh, he just announced he's going to Texas. Just, just a minute oh, wow. ago. Yeah. All right, well, that's a big one following his uh, old offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian. He's going to go follow him out there. He led the Tide last year with 48 catches, 668 yards, and four touchdowns. He has two seasons of eligibility remaining. Um uh, then you have a number of other guys who've already entered. He ain't using that second season of eligibility based on his statement. No, he said, he said Quinn yours is going to be one of the top picks. And so am I. So I don't think he's going to use that second year. I love that. I love that. But there are a lot of players who are entering their name into the portal. One non-player who just entered his name into the transfer portal Tavares Robinson. I don't know if you talked about this um, earlier this week, but he's the Bama secondary coach and co-defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He is widely regarded as one of the most, one of the elite recruiters in college football. He was right on par with all the best uh, recruiters of defensive talent. He is now at Georgia, and he's going to take over effectively what Will Muschamp was doing. He's going to be a co-defensive coordinator. He's going to be the defensive backs coach, and Will Muschamp is remaining with the team in an off-field role so he can spend more time with his family. More than any player, more than any player, that is probably the biggest coup of this cycle as, as far as the portal goes uh, from Alabama. Yeah, a lot was made when um, Fran Brown took the job at Syracuse and the role he was uh, filling within the Georgia staff, um, not just as a coach, but specifically as as you mentioned, that elite recruiter. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we've seen him get off to a fast start at Syracuse kind of feels like this fills some of those uh, shoes a little bit that Fran Brown left and, and um, 
Georgia continuing to, mm. to stay with the elite recruiting and not that they were going to have trouble anyways, but um, it, it is a nice little extra memento there for, for Kirby smart. And um, this is uh, like you said, this is a pretty big coup for, for the Georgia program. It's a, it's a tough, uh, tough bit for Kalen DeBoer too, yeah. who's going to have to, to, to lose or replace a connection that was heavily rooted there in the South uh, throughout the Southeast and, um, I don't know. It just, it, it just, it's just another sign, um, that in the post Saban era, it just feels it, it. And I know we've been trending this way, that Georgia is, is the new top dog. Um, yeah. just no matter what, ownership. no matter what happened this year, um, that that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, between just on the defensive staff, like you have Kirby smart, you have Glenn Schumann, mm-hmm. you have, uh, the safeties coach. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. And then now we have Travaris Robinson. Between those four, just in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, they've recruited 29 five-stars. Yeah. 29 five-stars. Almost all of those are in the secondary. Like, <laughs> the amount of talent that those guys are now going to start drawing in on the defensive side of the football, it's going to be unprecedented. It's it's a it's a crazy class. It's a crazy coup for them. Um, but keeping it on Alabama here, uh, they have two players who did not sign their twenty. Uh, two of their twenty seven recruits who did not sign their letters of intent and mm-hmm. classes have already started at Alabama. So the other twenty five, they're already locked in. They're they're locked into their uh, letters of intent. They can't ask out because they've already started classes. Um, the big one from that is Ryan Williams. He's a, a five star wide receiver. He's already decommitted. He did that on Wednesday after the announcement was made. He now is the highest remaining uncommitted player. Uh, he's going to sign on February 9th. He is the most important piece for these guys. The most important piece. They have to retain him if they want to keep that positive momentum. Like That would be a, a great first step is retaining Ryan Williams. He was committed. He decommitted. Now a lot of people are, are going to be very interested in him. In fact, he's taking a visit to Texas A&M. He's taking a visit to Auburn, uh, and I, I'm very interested to follow his recruitment over here over the next couple of weeks as we move into National Signing Day. Yeah, and that's why it was so important for for Alabama to get this thing started with uh, Kalen DeBoer because he's now mm-hmm. got to, as you mentioned, re-recruit this guy uh, and re-recruit every single person in the Alabama locker room yep. um, that has that open window for the transfer portal. Um, he's going to come in and probably say some things that, some people are going to say, nope, I'm out and hit the portal. And some people will say, fine. I'm doubling back down in. Let's let's get to work. Um, and and he's got to handle it on both ends, both from the high school aspect of things, but also guys that are already uh, in the program there. So going to be very interesting to see what work he gets done here in these first 30 or 40 days or, or, or really shorter for the high school uh, commits. But, yeah, he, he's got to get – he's got to go in and get Smith. And, and obviously, as we mentioned with Bond – heading to Texas. There is an opening for a number one receiver there at Alabama. So we'll, we'll see if maybe he can um, dial him back in and, and and get to work. College football never sleeps, Abe. Yeah. College football never sleeps. we got a lot to get, get into over the next couple of weeks, especially these next couple of weeks, as uh, the transfer portal continues to, to wind through with these players from the Alabama staff. Of course, January 2nd was our last day for players to enter their names. But that doesn't mean that the portal is, is done. I mean, we're, we're going to have a lot of other guys who are going to be 
uh, following. There are guys who are still in that portal who we still have to discuss. Tayola Tagovailoa. Well, Rogers has just entered his name in there. We will see what happens with all of this stuff. It's the wild, wild west, Abe. And uh, it's college football. We love it that way. And it's the way that's what we know. So make sure you're right here with us on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Hit that like button. Make sure you are subscribed and check in with us every Monday and Thursday morning. We're going to be with you. New episodes dropping twice a week. For Abe Gordon, my name is Eric. My name is Garrett Chapman. It's been a lot of fun for for, uh, just discussing all of this news with you. So make sure you're with us again on Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you Thursday.